ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 97 of the Whatever Show. Um, this, I think, is going to be a good one. We've got new Star Trek to talk about, which I'm really excited for. We've got the Orville to talk about, or should I say also new Star Trek to talk about. We'll talk about that when we get there. Um, we've got some Inhumans to talk about. Did you watch all of that? I did. Yeah, cool. Um, we've even got comics. for the. Lo- it's been a long fucking time. we got some comics to talk about Wait, this week. Comics to talk about? There was another TV show, too, I thought that, that we were going to talk about. That, um, uh, yeah. Star Trek? Star Trek? Star Trek. Inhumans. I did mention Inhumans. Uh, I don't know. We'll think of it yeah, as we'll, we go. We'll, we'll figure um, something out. Um, we have some politics to talk. We have dead people to talk, and some people that aren't quite dead. We've got um, we've got wrestling news this week. Uh, we, we're going to talk about No Mercy. We're going to talk about uh, Jeff Hardy's injury. I think we also have to talk about uh, fucking Cesaro's injury too. Uh, there's yeah. no way we can't. Did you yeah. see the shirts they're selling uh, for sh- for Cesaro? No. Oh, dude, uh, Google that it, real quick because it's it's hilarious. <laughs> um, anyway, it's going to be a pretty good show. Stick around. We'll get right to it. All right, so let's open it up on uh, several depressing notes. Um, so really briefly, uh, we're recording this on Monday night. This is the day after the Las Vegas shooting, um, the deadliest shooting in American history. Uh, we've kind of decided we're not going to talk much about that. Uh, if you're like us, you're you know reading Twitter or Reddit or whatever, and just kind of being disgusted at the whole thing. Chances because it's are all good you formed your fire. own opinion regardless of what side of the spectrum you're on. So there's not really any point in us adding fuel to that fire. So yep, uh, and we you know I just I haven't really seen a lot of intelligent talk about this uh, that that I, I feel like is worth repeating. The only thing that I've seen on this that I feel like is worth repeating is the Onion article that they post every time a mass shooting happens. Uh, well, they've reran the same article five times, just removing the places and names and swapping them out for whatever's current. Uh, and the Onion article title uh, was something along the lines of, like, uh, no one could have seen the No, no, no. Uh, w- there's no way we can change this, uh, says the only nation. Or there's no way we could have prevented this, says the only nation where uh, this keeps happening. Um, so that's kind of my feeling on it very briefly. Uh, you know, whatever side you're on, we keep having these things and we keep doing jack and shit about it. Uh, so that's what I'm upset about. And I think that's as far as we're really going to go on this. Um, we, you know, we, we could get into the whole gun control versus not and to, to Second Amendment and all that kind of stuff. But we're just not. So we got enough depressing news, actually, to talk about this week. Um yeah last last week of course uh hugh hefner uh, um which uh everybody knows from of course the fresh prince of bel-air uh passed away <laughs> uh the viceroy of viagra yes the prince of punting did you did you come up with the titles or is he has yeah, this on a placard I, somewhere nope nope <laughs> i i did that one like, lo- lovely day. um so yeah hugh passed at 91 years of age uh you know he died doing what he loved so pulled law tail that guy no kidding. Um, and you know what? He didn't do it the normal creepy old man way. He published a magazine that has that will have I mean, an enduring legacy probably for eternity. At least, I mean, judging by the way we're going, we're not going to be around that much longer anyway. So Yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm going to say it's going to last at least the majority of, of, of modern civilization. You know, it's hard to imagine. Uh, I mean, dynasties fall all the time, and it's hard. But it's hard to imagine a world where Playboy doesn't exist in some form. You know, like I think the closest they came to death was when they decided to get rid of the naked pictures, and then they're like, "Oh no, wait, we fucked up," and then now they're back. So here's my thing: I, I myself, um, I'm not even, I'm not even a Playboy guy. Like, I don't. Number one, I don't like magazines. I think magazine is a dead media. Oh, for sure. And so I don't generally waste time on it. Even I have an issue of Playboy on my shelf. It's the Marge Simpson issue, of course. <laughs> nice. Um. 
I mean, these days, if I want my porn, you just go straight to the stores. There's lots of better porn out there. So much um, more porn. And, and, you know, if you want to read the articles or whatever, it's on the website. So This episode of Whatever Show brought to you by Pornhub. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he was, he was gone. Um, like I said, he didn't do it the creepy old man way. He uh, developed a media empire, and then the chicks just flocked to him. Yeah, it's kind of hard not to. Everybody like, wanted to be a Playboy bunny. Don't get me wrong. I do think that there is a creepy aspect of Hugh Hefner's legacy um, that, you know, doesn't really get talked about a lot because it's just sort of become that cute old thing Hugh Hefner does, but uh, whatever. So, anyway, I mean, overall... I do know that the mansion, not a good repair. Oh, really? I've heard horror stories about how, like, it's got the same semen-covered shag carpet that it had in the 70s. <laughs> oh, my God. In certain places and stuff like that. So, um, I mean... I think somebody, I don't remember if somebody bought it or the sale went through or fell through. Um, I know that one of the conditions when it was being sold a couple of years ago was that um, whoever bought it actually had to let Hugh live there. Yeah. Uh, until That's he like died. in the contract. And what, yeah, shit. it was. It was It was definitely in the contract and um, couldn't really make any changes to it as long as he was alive and whatnot. But then once he was dead, it was yours and you could do whatever you wanted. So um, I don't remember whatever happened with the story. I know somebody did have an offer in on it, and I think it was accepted, but I think it might have not gone through. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, um, that alone... Like asking the, price was huge. So. That alone, just the fact that, that, that the Playboy Mansion has such a, um, I don't know, history to it. Um, it it's an iconic in itself, uh, which is something, you know. So. Yeah, I just wouldn't walk through any of the rooms with a black light, so I'm saying. No, I definitely would not. <laughs> uh, to, to quote my dear friend... Uh, um, uh, Star Lord, it would look like a Jackson Pollock painting painting in here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So I'll introduce this one, and then I'm not going to talk at all because it's really not my thing. Uh, Tom Petty over the weekend was found unconscious uh, after apparent cardiac failure. Um, he was revived. Well, you know the, the the thing about this is that there's not really any good set of details out there, and what's been floating around, like it was floated for a second that he died, and then it was like, no, he's not dead. Uh, so, um, the, which I think was TMZ who kind of broke the story and then fucked up the reporting on it a little bit. No, CBS. CBS. Yes, it was full go, on buddy. CBS. So here's here's the deal. Um, as we record this, it is uh, Monday, October second. Um, so when you just for a point of reference, when you guys listen to this. Um, also, this gives out an incentive to actually get it edited and posted. I probably quicker. will someday. <laughs> He's been doing great lately, guys. Yeah. Um, it was reported earlier today that he had died. And then it was reported that, just kidding, we don't know. And yeah. uh, basically, the long and short of it, that I under, as I understand it, and again, take this with a grain of salt, because this is based on information, obviously, that you have as well, but... My understanding is that LAPD originally is the one that reported that he was dead to CBS. CBS ran with the story. A couple hours later, LAPD was like, we're not actually investigating this, so I don't know who in our department gave that report, yeah. but we shouldn't have because we don't actually know anything. The fire department was like, we can tell you that somebody on that block uh, was taken from the scene uh, with a cardiac situation. We can't even identify them. Um, Tom Petty's daughter, as of a couple hours ago, was on social media blasting the entire media for running shit that just isn't true. According to her, um, he is still alive and that she and the Heartbreakers are all at the hospital with him as they try and work through this and figure out yeah. what's going on. Although, you know, again, this is media hearsay entirely and rumor at this point, but Absolutely. I've heard it's not good. Um, it, it appears that uh, uh, Tom has lost, you know, uh, brain function, essentially. So, um, I don't know. 
you know, I I don't think we're really going to know until somebody gives an official statement, which they haven't yeah. yet. So, yep. Um, when I first put this in the show notes, he was dead. Yeah. And now he's not as, as we record. So who knows? I mean, I, mean, that's I, I believe best. somebody on Facebook earlier said that if Tom Petty pulls this off, it'll be the best rock and roll trick ever. <laughs> that's a good way to look at it. Um, so yeah, we talked about this on the show before, but I, uh, you know, I immediately, when I saw this news, I texted Matt because although I'm not a huge Tom Petty fan, um, Mostly through ignorance rather than, uh, uh, you know, distaste or anything. Not that you're like that. not a fan. You're just, uh, you're a casual fan. I'm a fan, fan I guess. out there that hasn't really, you know, discovered enough is yeah. the thing, probably. Uh, yeah, I immediately text Matt about this because I know this is a big deal, deal for him and his wife, um, uh, Casey, who's already gone to bed. She decided to go weep in private. Uh, 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 and I quote, um, you know, they've been going to concerts for years and years and years. Uh, how many, how many times have you seen Petty? Um, I've only seen him four. Casey's seen him eight. Yeah. So um, my daughters, my oldest two daughters, Emerald and, and Jada, have seen him twice now. And then Natalie actually got to go this last time as well. So that's um, more than most people who have seen anybody. So true. Um, yeah. True. Uh, and Natalie's five. So, I mean, it was it was weird because apparently she was having a conversation with her mom last week about how she's never going to be able to catch up to the amount of times that she's seen Tom Petty. Um, and it turns out that's probably <laughs> even more true than any of us knew. Yeah. Um, and what's crazy about this is. We were literally a couple of weeks ago, Casey and I talking about how um, I've closed the gap somewhat. Not really, because I've still only seen them half as many times as her. But like the fifth time she saw him was the first time I did. And I was just like, well, you're never going to be able to say that you saw him more than twice as many times as I did at this point. you know? <laughs> yeah. um, and the reason we were talking about that is because we were just like, well, yeah, I mean, we'll just we'll keep going together because when we just saw him for their 40th anniversary tour like everything was just clicking away like clockwork man like it was you know watching him on stage you just you'd easily thought he's probably got another 10 years in him yeah you know and he's 66 i do think he's a guy that would have gone for a long time like i Actually, think he did toured as long as his health would allow he wasn't oh really uh he gave an interview i, I believe it was last september it might have been just maybe, maybe it was maybe it was even just this last month. I don't I did the article that I read didn't specify whether it was this past September or or the year a year ago. But he did talk about how this 40th anniversary tour was probably going to be the last major tour that they did. Well, wow. um, specifically because um, he has a granddaughter now and he wanted to be able to make as much time for the, for his granddaughter. Oh, that's good. As he could. Um and you can't do that on the road. And he did talk about how they would probably still do shows, but it just wouldn't be like a 50 date tour anymore yeah uh because i mean that's hard and when you're when you're 66 and you're you're out there doing a 50 date tour like that's that's a big tour yeah for sure um, um and if i mean if he if he hangs on until the 20th he's gonna be 67 well damn. so he's he's real close to not you know not even being 66 so crazy um we'll try and keep you guys informed obviously uh through social media uh facebook.com slash whatever show or yeah, at whatever show on twitter uh for sure um we'll we'll tweet out stuff if we if we hear anything else uh now on to more depressing news yeah, jesus christ this this whole week has just been uh, I, I don't know I, I mean maybe it came to a head today with uh the news of the shooting and then of course the uh tom petty um but we mustn't forget that right now the entire island of puerto rico is without power people are dying no uh, clean water no clean water uh, or at least uh, the last statistic i heard which is now probably four or five days old which i, I assume has gone up tremendously was that something like 55 percent of uh, puerto ricans were without potable water one anecdote i heard was that an entire ic unit died uh, as in yes. the entire unit, everybody. I, in I, mean, I don't care. know how big the intensive care unit was at that ho at that particular hospital, but it doesn't matter. 
Uh, yeah, it, it, it doesn't. So, uh, naturally, um, Donald Trump has uh, risen to the, the the call of leadership that is the president of the United States. He has responded swiftly, and no, none of that happened. Well, he did. Here's the, here's the thing. So, in case you didn't know, Puerto Rico is an island surrounded by, by water, big water. I did not know that. Ocean water. I did not know that. So, serious question, and I don't think I've heard a definitive answer on this. Does Trump know Puerto Ricans are Americans? Uh, much like 80% of America, I don't think he does. I am not sure that he does. I was fighting with one of your brother-in-law's friends on Facebook the other day about this because he was like, well, we have our own hurricanes to worry about. I'm like, you get that there's 3.5 million American citizens. Yeah, it's like th- on that they, island, they right? are one of them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, this is bad. And here's the, here's the problem. Puerto Rico was already struggling with massive debt before this happened. They were $73.8 billion in debt, some of which was their fault. Others are not. Uh, the, the problem with Puerto Rico being an, uh, an unincorporated territory is that Congress has kind of seen fit to have its way with the island in whatever way they see fit um, in terms of let's create incredible tax loopholes for businesses to move over there. So they do this. And then businesses move over there. In fact, at one point, uh, Puerto Rico was the sole source of Viagra. Interesting. Um, and then all of a sudden, they were like, well, a lot of our businesses should be in the states now. So we're going to offer bigger tax incentives. So then they offered back uh, bigger tax incentives in the states for the businesses to come back, which pretty much gutted Puerto Rico's economy. So what did they have left? They sold bonds. So the thing with this is like, um, Trump tweeted something like that, like, uh, you know, crisis, Puerto Rico in debt, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I don't think that that needs to factor into this conversation at all. I, I think that they're well, American citizens and we should be helping them and giving them whatever aid we I, can. And I think it's pretty clear that we're not fucking doing that. So and I'm not even, I'm not even trying to deflect at this point. Like my, my point is that Puerto Rico was in bad shape before it was decimated by a hurricane and they're in worse shape now. Okay. And they're that makes in worse sense, shape yeah. now. Um, we have done everything that we possibly can to ensure that Puerto Rico is not a viable place for its own citizens. Strom Thurmond in the 80s wrote a bill, and in that bill was a bylaw that had nothing to do with the actual bill itself that basically said that Puerto Ricans, Puerto Rican businesses, uh, or or the um, government of Puerto Rico cannot file bankruptcy for any reason. Hmm. They have no bankruptcy protection because Strom Thurmond decided and wrote it into a bill there's not even documentation explaining why it's in the bill, and nobody that was around Strom Thurmond at that point in time can speak to it. Yeah. So, I don't know. The uh, one thing, you know, I've never believed for a second that Donald Trump was fit to be president, but this is another example, I think, of where he is grossly unfit to be president. And I think just his response to this alone is grounds for impeachment. Like that. Are, are you familiar with the Jones Act? Yeah. So I mean that's a big part of the news lately. He, I mean that he's not delaying the he did not delay the Jones Act for over a week. It, Friday, uh, saying did it, but. saying saying oh well, that'll upset the shipping you know magnates and, and it's like and yet when when well, people are dying so I don't really care when yeah. Harvey and Irma hit he waived the Jones Act for those the affected states for the for that those yeah like, immediately yep. In the whole rhetoric, I mean, Trump, Trump's tweets and his, his response to this, like him saying like, oh, it's the mayor of San Juan who can't get their workers to do with the, and it's like, it just, everything about it reeks of exactly what Trump is, which is a very, very overprivileged billionaire who is always complaining about the brown help. I, um, I almost wonder if the 3.5 million votes that he's always talking about losing 
the the popular election by are actually Puerto Rico, and that's why he's not helping. They fucking will be in the next election. No shit, right? Yeah. No, not that anybody's gonna fucking back him for office a second term, but yeah. Um. So anyway, I just seeing the response to this from Trump's White House and Trump himself, uh, it just it, it further uh, um. It's probably the, one of the biggest examples to date of how incredibly unfit he is for office. And this alone, I think, is grounds for impeachment just on the fact that he's not competent enough to hold the office. Uh, people are dying and he's going to golf uh, at, at uh, whatever thing he's going to golf at this weekend. His his response and, and support is literally to dedicate a golf trophy, trophy to the victims of Puerto Rico. I'm not making that up. That actually, surprisingly, is not something I pulled also, from the onion. That's a thing that happened. For a billionaire? He's not that good. No. Um, here's the thing. Yeah, you're right. Totally. I mean, there's multitudes of things that he should be impeached for. Here's another thing. Puerto Rico is, is devastated. He's spending a good portion of the time that he should be concentrating on Puerto Rico. Calling players in the NFL sons of bitches. Yeah. If a military general were to have made a public statement and referred to an entire league of people as sons of bitches he would be court-martialed dishonorably discharged for you know, conduct conduct unbecoming of an officer i don't know that that's true but i don't think that if it's it a was far a, cry if it was a I public just, statement i i think that um it's sort of a sad cycle that we're in with Trump because he says and does these things. And like at this point, we're becoming desensitized to it. Like if fucking Tim Cook of Apple or, you know, Satya Nadella of uh, Microsoft came out and said anything like this, it would be a headline and it would stick around and it would be like, oh, are they losing it? Are they doomed? You know, that type of thing. And with Trump, it's just like, oh, it's another crazy fucking thing Trump said this just, week. Just one of these things that Trump did. Yeah. Um, also, guys, here's the thing. The players in the NFL, NBA, the ones that are taking a knee during the anthem, they're not protesting the anthem and they're not protesting, protesting the flag. What they're protesting is the wanton and gratuitous violence against blacks by our own police officers yeah and you know this is another example like this actually i think finally when trump said i'm going to unite all these people i think he's actually doing a good fucking job of it because it started out with uh cap colin kaepernick and uh that was you know uh, he obviously got blackballed blackballed by the nfl can't play or nobody will sign him right now um because of a similar stance and yeah, then trump decided for sure yeah trump decided to go on his little rant against the nfl and call everybody sons of bitches and immediately that weekend team after team after team uh the whole thing followed suit. So, um, number one, I, there, there's a lot of things that really bug the shit out of me about this. Number one is, um, the league has almost collectively decided that, uh, this is a thing that they're okay with doing and even support, uh, supportive of uh, certainly, uh, specific teams and they still won't let cat play. Uh, I, I think, I think a bigger issue here too, is that, is that Trump is literally calling them sons of bitches and actually calling for them to be fired, which treads very, very, very closely to a first amendment violation. Yeah, that's actually so, specifically what we're protected against is retaliation from our own government. Yeah, precisely. So that's another thing. If if it's not a First Amendment violation, which is uh, you know, kind of a it's a fine line, and I think that we're probably trending towards the side of yeah, it is. Um, this is not a professional comment. This is not something you should be hearing from the pre- president of the United States of America. Um, Our, and it's just disgusting uh, at that. So I mean, everybody's favorite evil little blonde bitch, Tommy Lahren actually filed a wrongful dismissal suit against her previous employer for a first amendment violation which was now settled out of court um and the things that she said were not anywhere like near as close to being government retaliation or anything else so yeah if she can settle a lawsuit on that i'm pretty sure that any nfl player has a pretty good shot all right we introduce or interrupt 
introduce. No, we're not introducing. Interrupt. We're yeah. interrupting. We're interrupting the Trump rant. Um, actually, we're just done with that. Yeah, I think we are just done. We're with just that. done. Um, breaking news: as of right now, it is being reported that uh, Tom Petty has died. Um, at eight forty something p.m., uh, which would have been you know like thirty A minutes half ago. hour ago. Yeah. Um, so. so- um, yeah, we're sorry to bring you that news. I don't think we've ever had breaking news on the show before, and I really wish it were anything else. Uh, our, but our thoughts, of course, are with Tom's family and and bandmates. Uh, yeah, that was a big one, guys. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody can say what they want to say about 2016, but uh, 2017 has taken Chris Cornell, Chester Bennington, and now Tom Petty from from us. So it's not Rock World's not doing so great this year. No. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was. This is going to make me sound like a prick. <laughs> and I am, so that, I guess that's okay. But <laughs> I was talking to Casey earlier, and I was like, you know, the one selfish part of me is just like, well, there's going to be a shit, like a, like a goddamn hell of a benefit concert, you know, like they did for George Harrison when he died. Like they had the concert for George and brought a lot of people together that that played a lot of good music for that shit. And I'm like, but who's left? Oh God! Like I'm just like I would I would really love for somebody to do like this giant tribute concert to Tom. Um. Because the dude literally has a 40-year-old catalog that you could pull anything from. But who's left to really do that? It's kind of sad. You know, I'm sure we could fill out other names. It's just that uh, there's clearly a big hole left by Tom. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 he, he is a legend at this point. Like, there's there's no other way to describe him. He's a legend. Uh, uh, and it's it's a sad passing. Like I said, I'm not a huge fan, but there, you, you can't help you can't help but acknowledge his status in the rock and roll world. Yeah. Um, so there, th- this is this is a very unfortunate loss, I think, for rock and music in general. I, you know, it's and it's crazy because literally a month and a half ago, I came on the show to talk specifically about how I think Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers is probably one of the most underrated. Um, not underrated rock bands, but I mean, Mike Campbell in specific, I talked about how he's probably one of the most underrated rock and roll guitarists um, out there. Uh, and I don't know when you're getting a chance to see him now because now the heartbreakers are done. Yeah. Like, that'll be interesting. Uh, it's uh, there's a video um, that went around after Prince died last year. Uh, specifically, it was after Harrison died. Um, they did a concert of While My Guitar Gently Weeps that features Tom Petty and Prince. I have a feeling I'm probably going to be reblogging that on social media um, from yeah. the show accounts just so people can get a chance to see that. That's a good pull, too. While My Guitar Gently Weeps is probably one of my favorite songs ever. Yeah. You know who so, played the, the solo on that al- on the album? Hmm. Clapton. That it, was a Beatles, it was a Beatles record, but Clapton played the solo on that. That's nice. That's yeah. nice. So, But the, the, the video in particular that I'm talking about is one where Prince actually whips out the solo and it was goddamn good and petty was there and uh again i'll probably throw that out there on social media um when i get the chance just because it's a good opportunity to kind of see what tom's all about and what what can happen when when a lot of good friends get together to celebrate the passing of another friend yeah um and I don't know. I, I think the good news of this is that I think that, uh, like me, a lot of people recognize his his status as a legend. And I think that there's going to be a lot of good stuff that comes out of this over the next, as, at least musically. I think there's going to be a lot of, I guess, bittersweet stuff. I think there's going to be a lot of stuff that comes out like that over the next few weeks. Um, I hope so. I mean, I saw the guy live enough times and I watched enough interviews with him. Like, I really get the the impression that he's probably one of those guys that, if something good can come out of this, he'll want it to, or he would have wanted it to. So it's, it seems, you know, like that's another thing. I, 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 you know, I don't, again, I know nothing, but my impression of him is that he is that type of person. He yeah. is just very, um, 
you know, like I read the anecdote today that he wrote uh, the song we were just talking about. Um, Won't back down. He wrote "Won't back down" mm-hmm. after his um, house was uh, set on fire uh, via arson. So, yep. Um, yeah. Uh, just like I said, huge, huge loss. Huge loss. Uh, nothing really else I can I can add to that. So. Yeah, same. Let's um, let's have a really super awkward segue. Yeah, let's ready. Let's, let's go ahead and move on to something that's uh, even funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, guys, I don't know if you noticed, but we're actually kind of a nerdy, uh, uh you know, show that covers uh, a variety of um, we literally don't media intend topics. on spending thirty six minutes making people sad or angry about things that's yeah not, that's not actually the goal of the show the, the the show started off as a way for us to talk about all of the nerd the, the nerdy things we love all of the uh, media properties and whatever that we can't get enough of uh, um you know in the sci-fi fantasy etc genres um and so let's let's do that now since we're you know halfway into the show or whatever so um, dc yeah Sorry, we, we don't have any dc news this week what we have for you is a link to honest trailers uh wonder woman um which great it's it is pretty great actually i got a chance to watch it this week and i kind of loved it so yeah um, we're not gonna talk too much about it i just put it in here because uh we didn't really have any dc news to talk about this week um and it's it's pretty fucking fantastic we'll have more news to talk about on the dc front uh probably next week because i think our shows are starting to come back and we'll maybe not do an episode by episode breakdown but next week i believe is the premiere for at least the flash and arrow and i think supergirl too supergirl comes out on the ninth so it's exactly which means it's probably time for me to watch the rest of the last season of what supergirl i haven't watched finish it no you goddamn son of a bitch i know and there was plenty of times too where i was like i need something to watch and i couldn't figure anything out but that's all right i I I didn't finish the last episode of gotham from last season and the new season started like a week and a half ago or something yeah Um, i'm i'm not even i think i'm like four episodes in or something on gotham so i will tell you what They've experienced their lowest ratings ever. Really? Yep. That's, that's wow. Apparently, they're starting to have Bruce run around Gotham in a costume now, and he's fucking 13, so I don't really know how that's going to work out for him. They're just like, hurry up, we need to get Batman here so we can, yeah, okay, yeah. that's sad. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't I don't know. I might be done with it after after last season. I'll I'll give it a couple episodes, but yeah. Eh. All right, uh, let's talk Marvel then. We do have a couple of big pieces in Marvel this week. Uh, so we uh, mentioned <laughs> last week that Inhumans might be canceled. We're going to talk Inhumans in a second, but this is another interesting one. Uh, ABC apparently wanted to cancel cancel Agents of Shield, uh, but Disney said no. This is an interesting article because it really gives you a good in depth look on what it's like when you are a TV studio but you have a parent company to answer to. Yep, pretty much. Um. ABC was like, look, we're spending money on the show. It's not giving us the ratings that we wanted, which means we're not getting as much revenue from the ads as we wanted, and we're going to pull it. And Disney was like, no, 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 no. We have an entire movie franchise that's based around these characters, and you're going to leave it the fuck alone. So that's kind of cool because, number one, I didn't realize that they remembered Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was a thing over the Marvel, you know, Disney wing of the thing. Right, because um, they haven't acknowledged it at all in the MCU. Yeah, not at all. And they've had Apple oppor- uh, ample opportunity. If nothing else, bring Coulson back for a cameo, for fuck's sake. Um, Actually, every single person that I saw comment on this particular article that you posted basically was like, well, if they cancel it, they need to bring Coulson back to the movies. Yeah. Like, that was yeah. like 100% almost every comment was just like, well, we get Coulson back and maybe bring Daisy too. I kind of maybe see that. I, you know, honestly, I don't think that they're, they're going to allow any sort of bleed over whatsoever, which is, I think, a sad thing. I think I, I, I would say we could get Colson back pretty easily because you can you can just be like, well, he was off doing that other thing for a while. And yeah, and you can bring him back because that's where he started. But I don't know about introducing any of the characters that have come from that show. 
no. specifically as much as I, I i fucking love daisy like Quake See, i think is i think daisy's me, got like they could use that character i think if nothing else if inhumans does anything um they could move her over to inhumans and and make that a way to use some of that character but i think pretty much everybody else is fucked if uh, it, uh shield is gone so yeah um so yeah that's interesting uh so who knows this i mean watch it because this might be your last season because you don't know i mean eventually they might not want to keep investing money in something that's not Which- pain dividends is a super big bummer because this show does keep getting better like i i do legitimately think that each season has been better than last see that's where i'm a bad nerd because i haven't finished last season yet uh last season is actually really good so but I, it I, looks like i've got some time because in humans is on for several weeks before shield comes back so i can catch up on shield instead of watching <laughs> the Inhumans. i guess that's a good segue into how did we feel about Inhumans? um so i watched it and i think uh i liked it and it doesn't sound like you did um or at least uh. not yeah, you know, I mean, there were there were a few moments in there that I was like, holy shit, really? Uh, but for the most part, I, I liked it all right. I didn't think it was a great show. It, it was kind of like where I was at with S.H.I.E.L.D. in the beginning. Um, a little bit better than that, because with S.H.I.E.L.D. in the beginning, I was kind of like, I don't fucking know about this at all. Uh, but uh, this this show, at least, I'm intrigued by. It's not my favorite show, but I think it's got room to grow. So. I, I hope. It does for its sake because man, I was I wasn't overly impressed by what we got um, this this week here. My my initial reaction while watching the two hour uh, pilot was people paid money to see the shit in IMAX. Yeah, that 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 is baffling to me. Like, there's no way I, I think I could pay me money for it in IMAX. But um, because, like I said, it's not that it's a bad show yet, but it's not a good show yet either. Um, which I guess is kind of my, my, you know, if you wanted a blurb for the thing, that's probably how I'd describe it. Uh, but it's got some opportunity there. Uh, so, I don't know. Acting-wise, anybody stand out to you? Um, Acting-wise, um, so I really like the CGI dog. Yeah. Lockjaw was 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 <laughs> probably the most believable character in the, uh, in the series for me. I actually thought Bolt was good, too. No, actually... All kidding aside, I did like Anson Mount as Black Bolt uh, because he can't talk. And mm-hmm. so to be able to emote with your face and communicate as much as possible with just facial expressions, he he does actually do a really good job of that. Um, not a fan of Medusa. I mean, uh, so light spoilers for the show uh, that they cut her hair was probably the best decision they made because holy shit, man, that looked terrible. It was, but what's the point of fucking having Medusa? Yeah, that is I, I that know. is the sum total of her power. Like, if they don't go somewhere with that pretty big this season, like I'll be really disappointed. Well, I mean, if what we reported last week was true and that the show's canceled before it really even starts, <laughs> then, then they're not gonna then they're just gonna have this bald chick running around being angry. Yeah. All season. So um acting wise she didn't bother me but definitely her 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 wig did uh like the 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 hair i still didn't like it did look better on screen than it did in the trailer which is a low low fucking bar but um overall i i I did not enjoy that so when they cut her hair i was like oh at least i don't have to stare at that shitty wig all season um but you know like you said uh as far as powers go that reduces medusa to next to nothing so i think that could actually be a decent arc for her because uh she is supposed to be queen of adelan and uh if if she's you know like it's like uh, tony stark and spider-man if you're nothing without that suit you don't deserve it you know so like if she's nothing without the hair then she doesn't deserve it you know sort of thing um and and i did like um Come on, load up page. Uh, Ken Lung as Karnak. I really enjoyed Karnak. Which Karnak is the dude that has... Uh, I didn't exactly get his power set, but he's the one that did the choice scene. 
So basically what Karnak can do is he can analyze any situation and, and find the weaknesses. That's, yeah. that's exactly what his power is. Okay. And so it's strange. Well, he's a telepath as well. So that's what, uh, there was a so. little part that bothered me about him then because they had the really great scene where I was like, th- this was kind of like where I was like, oh, this You're is talking about the fight scene? good. When the f- Maximus first takes over? Yeah. When Maximus first, you know, uh, has the coup, which, you know, everybody saw from the trailers so that was pretty much always coming. Um, but when the coup goes down, you see Karnak basically get the shit kicked out of him and killed. And then that's how they do his power reveal, which I thought was really, really interesting. Uh, and I thought that was a really good scene. And then like five minutes later, he falls off the side of a fucking mountain. And I was like, oh, well, he's doing his power thing again. And they're just going to rewind. And we're going to hopefully they're not going to overuse this mechanic. And then it's a, no, he just fell off the second fucking side of a mountain. Well, here's the thing. I was like, you didn't see that shit coming. He like, can find the weakness in any adversary. But that doesn't necessarily mean like he can't slip and fall off the side of a mountain. Okay, so, so I, I thought it was purely like uh, uh, you know, give what what watching the show. What I thought his power set was more his ability to analyze um, situations, it, just in general, and make a decision based on like I, I thought almost he could see I- infinite outcomes type of thing, and then he could make a decision based on those. No, it, he's specifically like specifically he's a telepath that can sense weaknesses. Like that's that whole conversation that he had with that girl in the you know Adelan cafeteria or whatever that was. Yeah. Also. Don't care for Adeline that much, but we'll get Adeline there. is kind of a featureless slab of CGI. Well, so. it's on the moon. And so, you know. I was going to ask you about that. Was that, is that canon? Yeah, Because uh, it seems to me that that wasn't before, but. Whatever. No, that's canon. Um, but, but I did, I did like Karnak's character. Um, I don't know. The, the rest of the characters to me are just kind of met. I like Maximus um, just because Ewan Re- uh, Rion. Yeah, I, I think believe. you're mostly right. Whatever. Uh, he obviously, if you're Game of Thrones fans, uh, he he plays Ramsay Bolton, and his acting is super good, but the dialogue he's been given not super good. No. So if if you watch him, you can definitely see there's there's good delivery, just bad dialogue. He there are a couple of good lines in there, but yeah, I think overall his his uh, the, the dialogue is a little bit weak just in throughout the show uh and so it is a little bit it feels a little bit like he's wasted like his portrayal obviously in game of thrones is is barnon one of the best mm-hmm. uh because he he has he just made you hate him very very efficiently he's one of the few characters in that show that like doesn't have a huge like arc with his character like he starts out an asshole and, and he just pretty becomes much a bigger asshole yeah. <laughs> like, um and so like having him play the villain in this show is uh you, you know, it's a smart way to go, but I think they got to give him something better to work with because as, as much as you know he's the villain and you don't want to like him, like, the, he didn't even come close to the level of hatred that I had for Ramsey Bolton. So. I, I want to like uh, Isabel Cornish as Crystal too, um, but I'm going to need to see her a little bit more in order in order for that to happen. She was a big weak spot for me. So was Gorgon. Gor- Gorgon could have been better. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, that's, I, I don't know. It's It's not starting out strong. I'll give it a couple more episodes, but this isn't a show that I can promise you that uh, we're going to talk about. Yeah, on the regular. Uh, on the regular, because yeah, it's. I'm probably not going to watch all of it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyhow, sad to say, um, my my impression of the the Inhumans, the the whole thing that I really am disappointed with about this is that we spent so much time with Shield building up the Inhuman storyline, and then it's just like, well. This is something different, and they're going to acknowledge it by going, "Yeah, well, there's some things going on on Earth." Yeah, and I think 
that's a little bit of a missed opportunity. Like, uh, although I kind of get it. Like, here's the thing. They, I think, wanted to distance themselves from S.H.I.E.L.D. a little bit because they wanted to have a more successful property on TV. But um, I don't think that this was the right way to do it, especially because the show comes off feeling very much in the S.H.I.E.L.D. universe. Like, if, if S.H.I.E.L.D. agents showed up any time, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. Uh, um, so I think that they kind of fucked that up. Also, uh, canon in the comic books is that Inhumans traditionally have a much, much weaker immune system than humans because they've been isolated among themselves on the moon and haven't experienced diseases. So them showing up on Honolulu is going to be a lot like smallpox blankets when the colonials <laughs> showed up. Like I, you know, that, that'll be interesting. I think that's a thing that they could get to later on in the season. And that Med- could be Medusa is the only one that doesn't have a weakened immune system because she spent enough time apparently back and forth that, which is so far in the show, isn't a thing, which isn't a thing. So theoretically they should all be dead by episode eight. Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, dying, dying horrible, gruesome deaths. Yeah, um, Amazon. No, uh, let's talk comics. We got a comic section this week. This is fun. Yeah. So yeah. I should note there's some pretty massive spoilers if you're this reading Marvel comics right now. This is going to be This is going to be spoilery quite a bit. Um, there's no really way we can talk about it without spoiling it. So if you want to be surprised by the events in Marvel Legacy One and just in the Marvel universe in general, um, don't listen to this part. Although that said, you're not going to be able to avoid being spoiled by it in the next two weeks because it's pretty big stuff. Yeah. So if you listened to the show last week, we talked about Secret Empire and the wrap up of Secret Empire and kind of the aftermath there. Um, Eddie, did you ever read Secret Empire Omega? I don't think I read Omega. Probably not. So I'm going to go and spoil it now. Um, there are two Captain Americas. I, I alluded to that when I made my Superman 3 reference last week. Okay. Yeah, we talked about that, and I, I figured that pretty there, much. Yeah, there, there, there actually legitimately is two Captain Americas. One was Hydra, one is not. Um, this is kind of taking that a step forward and moving into a new giant event that's happening in Marvel, which is the Legacy series. Um, over the last year, we've lost several beloved characters, uh, or not over the last year, over the last several years. Mm-hmm. We've lost Hulk, we've lost Wolverine, we've lost Reed Richards and Sue Storm. Um, just a metric buttload of characters that aren't there anymore. Um, guess what? They're there now. <laughs> yep. The Legacy one didn't... It ugh. Rebirth in DC was a little bit more subtle. Rebirth was like, well, there were some things going on, and things were manipulated, and now all these things are coming back to fruition and we're going to just, we're going to bring back the best of what was old and keep the best of what was new and yeah. all that kind of stuff. I think we've had a more compelling story to it. This is just literally like, so there's some things happening with a celestial that's buried in the earth. Um, there's different forces that are trying to stop it from waking up. Um, oh, and by the way, Hulk and Wolverine are alive. And so are, so is Reed Richards somewhere. Yeah, presumably. Like, it literally is kind of written exactly that way. Like, there's an overall story that takes up probably 60 to 65%, and then the other pages are just like, hey, look, that's Wolverine driving that semi. He just totally ran over that that fucking frost giant. Yeah. Um, it, it is a little bit ham-fisted in that regard, and the storyline, I think, is not as compelling for, like, a Rebirth-esque sort of thing. A rebirth definitely is my favorite among the two. Um, that said, I'm kind of excited because we haven't had Wolverine proper in a long time. Uh, we haven't had Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four has been all but dead for quite a long time as well, and it seems like not just our, um, you know, at least Reed is alive. I don't know what we're getting, actually, because so what I we know get that- is Reed's kids, um... Well, and they mentioned that their dad is around because yeah. he did something. They don't mention Sue. They do not. Uh, but I know that going out of Legacy number one, we're getting um, 
the thing in Johnny Storm is going to be an issue. It's going to be a title. Nice. So we're getting that, which is probably going to eventually lead us back to Fantastic Four, I assume. Um, I know that we're doing a, a Hulk series that's going to be a return to Planet Hulk. Uh, that's happening. None of the upcoming Marvel books, though, have indicated what the plan is for Logan. So he's back. We know he's alive. We don't know where he's going to show up next. And I almost like that a little bit better than when he was alive the first time or the last time. And he was in literally every Marvel comic book there was. Yeah. Unless that's the plan now. They're like, well, he's just going to appear in everything. So we don't actually have to tell you where he's going to show up next. (laughs) Who knows? That's kind of like Old Man Logan is now. That's why, to me, it's almost better that we have the original Wolvie back. Because Old Man Logan was kind of a a band-aid. For him being gone in a few issues. And then all of a sudden, like, now Old Man Logan is on six different X-Men teams. He shows up in a couple of Avengers books every once in a while. And it's just, it's no different. That's kind of one of the interesting things to me. Because um, while, uh, you know, Wolverine Prime has been dead, they brought in uh, Old Man Logan. They brought in uh, Laura Kinney. Um, and so, they've, they're filling the shoes of that of Wolverine, essentially. And so, I'm wondering what they're going to do with those characters and how that's going to go forward. Um. Old Man Logan, I'm not sure, has the longevity that Laura Kenny does. Um, Old Man Logan may end up actually back in his own time or dimension or something like that something, eventually. Yeah. Laura Kenny, though, is, is strictly from the 616. Not an area code, guys. It's a it's a Marvel world. Yeah, that's the Marvel Universe, the main Marvel Universe proper. And um, it, it kind of makes it... You've got a lot going for you with having both of them actually around and and in the and being present, because you can do some some father daughter things. You can do some. Uh, in fact, you got a little bit. You got a little taste of that um, in the Generations series over the last couple uh, several weeks. Marvel's been publishing some Generations books, which put a new character. Um, it, it puts a new character face to face with their predecessors in in alternate reality weird kind of situations. Uh, Laura Kinney and Wolverine was a really good one to read. In fact, I haven't read one of them that's been terrible, and I even read the Hawkeye one, and I'm not a huge Hawkeye fan. So I'll have to check that out then, because um, I, I, you know, I read the the first couple, or the first couple I read today were uh, um, Captain America's and the uh, Spider Man. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. Yeah, um, they're I mean, they're done now, I think, because they kind of wrapped up, I believe, with the Captain America one, which I mean, you read it. So, yeah, it does have a kind of a, a sense of finality to it. So uh, definitely grab some back issues and check those out. Cool. This is going to be interesting, guys. Um, There's several books that are being published as legacy titles. Uh, Captain America, I think, is starting again uh, with I think it's 687 or something like that. It's got a pretty high, high number. Amazing Spider-Man is coming back as number 700 something so uh i think people are starting to realize that you don't have to have a number one issue to to sell books yeah i think it's you know it it is and remains compelling stories that sell books so you know whatever absolutely uh all right let's talk about amazon a little bit yeah so this one i don't know if you're familiar with any of these properties but i'm familiar with at least two out of three of them and so i'm really excited about this piece of news amazon is developing three new series um they are lazarus snow crash and ring world uh, so the one that I'm not really familiar with is Lazarus. I know nothing about that. That's comic property. I actually am tangentially familiar with it, but not, oh, interesting. That, not well educated. Uh, the two that I do know, of course, are Snow Ca- Snow Crash, originally a book by Neil Stevenson, um, sort of one of the um big genre books as far as cyberpunk stuff goes. It is sort of uh, uh 
you know, you could look, you can read that book and draw inspiration to any number of movies and, and, you know, properties, uh, in the cyberpunk universe. The Matrix obviously is the, probably the easiest, obvious one. Sure. Um, just a great book, one of my favorites. Uh, and I cannot wait to see what they do with that because it, I, I could see that being a very, very good TV show. Uh, along similar lines, um, as far as potential, uh, Ringworld, um, which is, of course, a book by Larry Niven and Jerry Pornell. Um, and this was literally that they discovered a planet, which was a ring shape, uh, you know, so artificially constructed. And there's a lot of stuff that went on in that. And that I think could also be an amazing, uh, deal. So, uh, really kind of cool news. I'm, I'm excited that Amazon's kind of branching out into these sorts of properties. Um, I think Snow Crash was the one that I, I seemed most interested in, although, um, Lazarus being, uh, uh, Greg Rucka book, uh, I am relatively interested in that as well. Yeah, nice. Um, so, yeah, I, sorry, I, I read, not to interrupt. No, it's fine. I read both uh, Snow Crash and Ringworld, and um, I love both of them. So uh, I'm really looking forward to what they can do with those on the screen. Uh, Lazarus, I guess I'll have to pick up in sometime in the interim and see how that goes. But uh, yeah, good, good, good story. Looking really forward to it. Uh, I can't wait for more TV like this. So for sure, um, this is an interesting question because normally we leave the wrestling stuff for the end for those that don't necessarily like it. But I have a feeling we might end up talking Star Trek for a really long time. So. What do you want to do here? No, that's fine. I think we can keep going. You want to leave it? Yeah, I think we're fine. Okay. So we're definitely going to go where seven TV series have gone before. <laughs> yeah, some other people went there before. Uh, in fact, this this in this canon, they kind of went there before already because this is a uh, show that is set in the past. It is. At it's least 10 relative years, to it's 10 the years other... pre-original pre, uh, series. Yeah. I, I almost said pre-Kirk, but Kirk definitely is alive during this time period. He's just, you know, like not on a five-year mission. Or something. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess no. Yeah, he'd probably be in his 20s. Um, okay, so we're talking Star Trek Discovery. Uh, Star Trek Discovery launched on CBS All Access this week. Uh, this last week, actually, I should say. Uh, we got, we've gotten to watch now the first three episodes. The third episode, of course, aired last week. And um, so, yeah, we want to dive in. Obviously, we're big fans of the franchise. Um, I, you know, probably my favorite Star Trek iteration thus far is The Next Generation. Um, I don't think that's a controversial choice. I think most people are going to say Next Generation original series uh, with a few uh, followed by the- Deep Space Nine, Voyage and some people actually saw enterprise i'm not really sure the only thing the only thing controversial would be is if you were like well i really like the first two seasons the best <laughs> yeah no no nobody says that um um so eddie watched these before i did last week the the first two episodes um i watched them the following day i was busy uh drinking with some friends from out of town (laughs) hard work folks um the thing is is it is not your traditional star wars uh or star wars star trek show uh sorry i've had a few already guys it's not your uh, your your traditional star trek show It, it it isn't plain and simple it's not um however um i was not initially impressed with it uh the pilot episode seemed weird to me and you guys have heard my opinions about pilots before. I think I think a pilot, it's it's one job is to introduce um, a general idea of the story and the characters, like that you're going to be seeing for the next however many episodes your your series is. The pilot for Discovery didn't really do that, and so I was kind of like, well, what the fuck is going on? Um, here's the thing: it's not a pilot; it's a cold open. It's it's a two episode long cold open, a la. Um, 
Battlestar revival. Um, you get a you get a mini series or a, or a movie that is actually leading you to the series proper. So episode three is what I would actually consider the pilot in this, and it's it's good, guys. Like the show is is a lot better than I gave it credit for. Um, upon in my initial impression, uh, there's characters uh, that you can latch onto pretty quickly. Uh, most notably, uh, Sonequa Martin Green's character, Michael Burnham. Yeah. Um, for those of you that have been listening to the show for a while, you probably also watched The Walking Dead. Sonequa Martin Green was Sasha up until the end of last season. Spoilers. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, she's obviously doing Star Trek now. So yeah, there's, there's some good stuff in here. And, um, the cold open theory is something that I hadn't really thought of at first because the past Star Trek series that we've seen have all been kind of traditional pilots where this is like your, your introduction to the entire crew. And that's the crew that you have throughout, unless your name is Tasha Yar, in which case you don't make it past the first season and then you show up periodically in one-off episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so number one, it was kind of an interesting way to go with this. I think there's an argument to be made that they could have not done the first two episodes and uh, just started with episode three. They would have had to change a little bit about episode three, but I think that would have been fine. Mm, but I no. that said, I actually really like the first two episodes. As lukewarm as I was about the first episodes, I... I would not want to go into season three without them because you really get an idea of who Michael Burnham is. Yeah, I do think that that. It, it, so number one, there's a lot of interesting things about the show. So uh, we've got much more of a serial story than we ever have in Star Trek before. Um, maybe with the exception of Enterprise. Sorry, I, had, I didn't watch it. Um, so the, the show is much more serialized. It is fantastically well shot. Like it is a beautiful show. Like, uh, one of the things I immediately noticed is that it is very visually appealing. Um, the set designs are great on it. It has a Trek feel, but still dis- distinctly and decidedly its own thing. Shuttle um, Bay on the Discovery is entirely a green screen. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. 100% CGI. Yeah. Um, but I like the look of the show for for one uh, right off the bat. It, it is, again, going to be a little bit different than what you're used to with Star Trek, because I think this is one of the first Star Trek shows where they really, really take the show seriously, and there's a budget behind it. So, um, you know, that one of the hallmarks of Star Trek previously is that there's not a lot of budget, so uh, they shake the camera when there's, you know, bridge damage, and, you know, that's kind of the thing. Um, this is not true for the show, and that, I think, shows quite a bit. Uh, there's some familiar aspects of it as well but what with a new twist you know like klingons end up being a big thing in the first couple of episodes but they don't look like klingons uh, klingons are kind of my biggest bitch about this because they look entirely different than they did in enterprise or any other iteration of star wars and there's no clear explanation as to why and that bothers me because that's kind of a continuity change it doesn't bother me so much because they've done that before. In fact, like Klingons in particular, I think, did not look like Klingons in the original series. And no, the they look like they dirty to... people with long, scraggly mustaches and, and goatees. But they yeah. they retcon that in. They they gave it an, an out by by basically talking about how. And I think it wasn't until Deep Space Nine when they did it because they did the um, the Tribbles episode where they went back in time and were actually there for the Tribbles episode. Okay. Um, and Worf talked about how they it was a genetic experiment. That okay. went horribly wrong, and they do not speak of it. <laughs> awesome. Um, but these Klingons don't look anything like either of those iterations. And it's it's no again. It's it looks startling. Like, it looks like what they would do if they had a budget. Um, essentially, like the the I think that's the thing, and I don't know that they'll ever acknowledge it in the show. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll say that you know. Maybe they will do some sort of retcon with the whole um uh genetic experiment type of thing and, and that'll explain the difference in appearance from uh what we were used to starting with tng um but 
I don't know. I just think I didn't really care that much. Like if you're if you're gonna be a nerd about it and you want to be like, oh, that's not what they looked like in TNG. Well, you're watching a different show. Get up. I mean, is it an entertaining property or is it not? So I mean, yeah, I I and I'm I'm with you to an extent on that. I just sometimes they make changes that don't have to be made. When they made Enterprise, they had a budget. They could have easily done something different with the Klingons if they wanted to do that then, and they didn't. They chose to make them look in Enterprise like they looked in TNG and Deep Space Nine and everything else. Yeah. Um, and considering Enterprise in the timeline is before Discovery, that's that's kind of my, like... Yeah, I, I think, honestly, that, that this is going to be a, a change that you just have to suck up and deal with because I don't think it's going to be something that they're ever going to explain or talk about in the show. Um, I think it just is, like, they, they wanted to make them look different, and so they did. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, probably better, better, I, I would say. Like, if you saw these, if these were the original Klingons you saw, then you'd be fine with it. But since they're not, that's probably where I think people are getting hung up about it. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing I guess we should draw a little bit of comparison to is that this... Um, this is not like Star Trek Enterprise. This is not like uh, Deep Space Nine, Voyagers, TNG, etc. It is very different in that I think it's quite a bit more serious for a Trek show. Um, it, quite a bit, uh, so far at least, more serial. Um, there's quite a bit more um, um, malicious. Oh, it, it is for sure serial. There's not there's not really anything episodic about this at this yeah. point. Yeah, it, it's quite a lot more. Um, there's there's a lot deeper undertones in terms of like character motivations and stuff like that. Like we were talking about this before we started uh, recording. How this show is. Um, one of the things we talked about is that they didn't really want to show, you know, like sort of infighting amongst the crew and stuff like that, because that's something that, that, that at this point, humanity was supposed to be on, be beyond. And that's not really the case here. Uh, right. That's, that's what threw me for a loop is like, if you look at uh, classic Trek or next generation or even deep space nine uh, or Voyager, Voyager was a little bit different because there was the, their crew was comprised of, of uh, Starfleet officers, as well as uh, um. Uh, a rebel band called the Maquis that had to kind of come together and, and learn yeah. to work together. So that was a little bit different, but um, overall Star Trek really is that it's, it's their conflicts come from beyond the staff on the ship, um, not from the people on the ship themselves. And in, in discovery, that is very obviously not the case. So it's a little bit, a little bit off putting at first, but it, it does make for some, some good drama. Uh, we get some new characters too. We get Saru. Yeah. Who I like. I like a lot. Um, Saru is an alien that we've not seen before. Um, he comes from a planet where his species is, in fact, prey. Yeah, bread for food. Yes. Um, and uh, thusly, he has a lot of characteristics. He's somewhat avian, bird-like, um, and has some weird characteristics that he displays when he senses danger. And he isn't really shy about letting people know um, that he's afraid that whatever situation they're getting in is going to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which, he, not that it makes him a coward, but he's definitely... Ver- yeah, he's, he's not a cartoon character about he's, it. Like, he's the first one to tell you, uh, guys, this might not be a good idea. Yeah. I, I, I like it because it's not... It, it, they could they could have gone really cartoony about it and be like, oh, I don't think we should go in there. You know, like, and instead, uh, they're not. They take, take it very seriously, um, which I think is a cool way to do the character. And it, it gives him an interesting... Um, aside from the fact that he's one of the most visually strikingly different uh, yeah. main cast members. so Yeah, we're going to get into a little bit of spoiler territory here because we kind of have to to talk about some of the other people in the show. Um, number one, Michael Burnham is first officer aboard a ship. I don't remember the name of the ship uh, during the, the, the pilot two episodes. Kobayashi Maru. No, <laughs> I don't think that. that's it. Um, her captain is played by Michelle Yeoh. Um, Philippe Georgiou is the captain's name. Philippa. Yeah, 
Georgiou? I can't remember. Yeah. It is. Um, I've got the IMDb right here. I'm just not sure I'm pronunciating it right. It's a tough one. Um, yeah, so that interaction, that whole thing was, I think, kind of one of the better well-done parts. or one of Yeah, one of the parts I really liked about this. Like, I like that we kind of... Another interesting thing that's not very trekky about this is that Michael Burnham is clearly, like, our main character. Um, and she's not the captain. And she's not the captain. But even still, like, other Treks don't really have as much of a main character as obvious a main character. At least not until sure. Deep Space Nine. I think Cisco becomes clearly the main character in no, that I show. I disagree. You think even, I, I even think, with I think generation? all the other characters play a significant role in it as well, um, no matter what. It's it's very much an ensemble. Well, no, that's what I'm saying, though. Show. Like th- This is the first show that I feel like the ensemble aspect of it is way played down. And, yeah. and Michael Burnham no, is that very I clearly with. our that main I agree character. With. I just don't agree that Cisco... Oh, you think for Deep Space Nine that that's more ensemble than I'm... I'm Deep Space Nine and Voyager for. were still... I, I don't think you can say that they're any more or any less ensemble oriented than next gen was. Okay, fine. Uh, Enterprise, I think certainly, um, Archer becomes sort of our main character. Archer and Trip, I would say is, is yeah. a, a supporting character in that the rest of the characters, you don't really get to know as much uh, in it. Again, I didn't finish Enterprise. I, I plan on rectifying that at some point. Um, I can't make the same promise. Uh, no, we will. Oh, okay. Because right now that's winning the poll, not Enterprise itself, but Star Trek. Is winning winning our poll. A few hundred episodes later, we may have. Uh, it'll it'll literally take us eighteen years. Okay, probably to finish everything. But well, no problem. Um. Uh, yeah. Okay, so we got a couple other things. Um, Michael Burnham. So, oh yeah, we were in the middle of talking about the relationship between her and her previous captain, um, who she mutinied against, and not for reasons that you might think somebody would mutiny. Like you think mutiny, you think, oh, I'm just trying to take over and do my own thing. No, this was. Um, Michael Burnham, she was raised by Vulcans. In fact, she was raised by Spock's parents, mm-hmm. um, on Vulcan after her parents were slaughtered by Klingons. And, uh, a result of that is you have a really conflicted human. Yeah. So what's interesting about the, this is actually the first place I'm going to draw a comparison to Star Trek, the 2009 movie. Yeah. Um, of course, Chris Pine and, you know, all the other guys, uh, um, so there's a lot of things that I think about Michael Burnham that really kind of make her some sort of amalgamation between the on-screen portrayal of Spock in 2009 and uh, Chris Pine's uh, Kirk in 2009. Uh, so the first off being that she's sort of this Vulcan who isn't, uh, which is kind of the way they showed Spock in um, uh, 2009. He's this Vulcan but can't keep strict control over his, uh, his emotions. That's a big part of the movie. Uh, Michael Burnham is a similar in that regard. Um trying you know very hard to be um the the you know logical vulcan that you expect and and want every vulcan citizen to be but still not quite figuring out how to get there uh which is you know very like uh spock's portrayal conversely she's also kind of kind of got this amalgamation of um uh kirk from the 2009 movie in there as well in that uh in the 2009 movie of course kirk sort of performs his own sort of mutiny um he doesn't but he gets kicked off the ship rather than court-martialed and sent to jail forever uh uh, whereas Michael Burnham, you know, has pretty much similar circumstances, goes the same direction with that. So I think that they they took a lot of inspiration from the 2009 movie when they were, you know, setting up this character in particular, uh, and just sort of the feel of the show. The feel of the show to me is a lot more like Star Trek 2009 than it is any other Trek before it. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot. If I if I rewatch them a little bit more, I'm sure I can find a lot more similarity in Lens those two players. things. 
Lens flares is another thing. Uh, and, and again, it may just speak more to budget than anything, but combat, like Michael Burnham's a straight badass. Like when we open episode three, like that scene where she's in the cafeteria, that was fucking cool. With um, the Vulcan martial arts. Yep. Yep. That was fun. Um, yeah. Um, I, I let myself go and just have fun for episode three, especially once I realized that we hadn't seen the discovery yet. Yeah. At, at the at the the climax of of the first two episodes, I was kind of like, okay, I get what they're doing here, um, and so I kind of let myself just get into it and have fun for that. Um, and it turns out that's the best way to go because then we also get Jason Isaacs mm-hmm. as uh, Captain Lorca. Lorca, Lorca has a Lorca has a room, his ready room. I assume it's his ready room that has a Gorn skeleton in it. So Lorca is a very interesting uh, character to me. He has a Gorn skeleton, and apparently the only sterile Tribble in the universe. <laughs> he's the first character that I think that I've. I'm not quite sure if he's on the up and up as far as uh, Starship captains go. Um, I can tell you that after having seen an interview with one of the head writers of the show and other audience, you know viewers giving their predictions about what's going to happen with Lorca. Um, it is, I I have been assured that Lorca is not going to snap throughout the course of the season. <laughs> okay. Lorca very much is what Lorca is. Um, and what Lorca is, is a starship captain who's been uh, made captain of a science vessel that has now become a warship. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what you do in, in those circumstances. Um, I know the character uh, Paul Stamets, uh, who is the lieutenant, I believe, that's in charge of sciences, and he's oh, doing yeah. the, the research um, that a lot of people don't necessarily want to acknowledge is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, he definitely wasn't prepared to go to war. No. The research that he's doing was not necessarily meant to play into any kind of uh, strategic advantage in, in a wartime situation. See, this aspect of things actually is one of the things that I like about this incarnation of Trek. It gives it a much more human and realistic feel about it. Like, it's much, it, it feels a lot more <coughs> um, like a real life portrayal, for better or worse. You know, for for a lot of people, you want pure escapism in Trek, and that's not necessarily uh, what everybody wants. But um, th- this is one of the things I like about the show is that uh, there's complex reasons and emotions behind all of the things and how everybody got where they are. So, well, my only issue with this particular portion of the story is that it's all about spores and how you can do anything with these and you can, you can create like a, a, a travel method with a quote spore drive. Yeah. We know that doesn't lead anywhere. Well, cause we're still using warp drive. Well see, beyond that. Now this is another sort of interesting, like, I don't know how they're going to go with this show. Like if it is strictly going to be uh, within the known canon, uh, it, it, they said it's prime. Okay. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's the thing is like, they specifically were like, no, this is the prime universe. So this is like, you know, anything else, which I mean, to be honest, I'd be more comfortable with the Klingons if they hadn't said that this is, this is part of the prime timeline. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting what they're doing with the whole spores, obviously. Um, and again, there's more spoilers here. There's a creature. Yeah. Um, that, that, uh, is a product of some kind of experiment that they found on a derelict, uh, ship. Well, it wasn't necessarily derelict originally, but it was, it was, a it was, 
their sister ship that was, was performing similar ship, yeah. experiments that uh, recently had every member killed. On. Yeah. So, so Stamets, Stamets's uh, uh, science partner was they they were split up and put on on different ships, and that ship had an accident. They had to go retrieve any data yeah uh whatnot there was a klingon on the ship that was my favorite my like, that, that was that was did, awesome did yeah. that klingon just shush you <laughs> <laughs> um that was pretty funny we also met cadet tilly tilly i like a lot tilly brought levity to the show that didn't have much levity to begin with yeah uh that was that was kind of interesting um uh I, I like her character in that she's very timid and has these weird special needs about how she's allergic to certain things. And she is, but then she's not. Like when she gets on the ship and she's seeing like these mutilated corpses, which is another very not Trek thing. Like there was a lot more brutality in the no, visuals. No, she's kind of badass. Yeah, she was just like, oh, whatever. And then she's like straight up, you know, armed hey, up. There's something over there in the shadows. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it was kind of interesting how they portrayed her like that because on the one hand, she seems very meek, like she's going to fall over in any sort of confrontation and then they show her well, an actual confrontation and she's just, a badass. Her first interaction with Michael was like, oh, I've never met a girl named Michael. The only Michael I know of that's a girl is the mutineer and you're not her, right? Like, she's like, uh, yeah. And she's like, I think I'm going to call you Mickey. It makes you more personable. She's like, no, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, uh, that, that was a fun interaction. Uh, there's, there's a lot of good stuff. There's, um, uh, Sarek is in this. Yep. Uh, a couple times. As portrayed by Galvan from Gotham. By Galvan from Gotham. He is also, oh god, I think he's, um, he's in those god awful Matrix sequels. Oh. Uh, he's the Melvingian, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, jeez. If I'm not wrong, let me, let me look it up real quick. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think overall, in summary, uh, I guess we can go frame by frame on this, but I don't really want to. In summary, for me, um, this is a show that I think is fairly far distance from any Trek that's come before it, but not necessarily in a bad way. Like, I think that it's easy to lament that you're not getting a similar show. Uh, you know, like I said, that the, the Orville is the best Star Trek show on TV. It's much more like old Trek than um, this show is. But neither are bad. Like, I very much enjoy this show. It is a, a little bit of a departure from previous Trek incarnations, but I'm okay with that. Like, uh, I like that they're updating it and they're giving the story some more feel, some more humanity to it, and that it's basically taken seriously, I guess is the thing. Um, and I hope that there, you know, we're still pretty early into the show, so who knows where it's going to go. I hope that it's going to pick up some of the stuff that makes Trek what Trek is, because, you know, the, my biggest complaint about Star Trek 2009 is that at its core, it's an action movie which is not really what star trek is to me and so this is a little bit like that so far I'm, I'm but i wrong, think by the way. really as we go forward it's not going to be the case he's not the merrill vengeance he is however paul reigns from the t- tv series 24 oh, okay that's where i know i'm from that's not gotham right um anyway you got anything else you want to talk about on star trek um just that uh my initial impression was definitely wrong and that this is a much better show than i had originally uh given it credit for um, I believe my comment to Eddie, though, was given that I still enjoyed the show for the most part. I, t- I said this isn't the Star Trek I'm familiar with, and I'm, and it's not. And yeah. I, I know I, I've come to terms with that um, because it is a lot of fun to watch. Um, I'm going to plug another show while we're here because we never do that. No. Um, on CBS All Access, if you happen to be a subscriber, or if you're listening from outside of the United States or Canada, you can you can get this on Netflix. Yeah, it's um, fucking annoying. There is uh, an after show for this called After Trek, hosted by uh, somebody that I'm very familiar with from my dealings with the Nerdist podcast, Matt Myra. Oh, interesting. 
their resident Star Trek nerd. Um, I think this is a good opportunity for him. It's a lot of fun for him to actually uh, thrive in his own environment and get to talk to, uh, you know, cast members and and whatnot about the show. Uh, and he has fun doing it. And he dropped the f bomb in the very first episode of it, and they <laughs> didn't believe it. So excellent. Um, yeah, I guess that's the last thing we should talk about very briefly. Um, so CBS All Access, that's the way to get the show right now. Currently $6 a month. Um, you have to subscribe to another streaming service. It's either service. $6 a month or $10 a month, depending on whether or not you want limited ads or yeah. ads. Or no uh, ads, I mean. Okay, so. so originally I was like, oh man, I think this might be the death knell of this show because I'm not sure they're going to be. And, and you know what? I don't think it'll kill the show. I, I do think that if the show is successful enough and that they just don't have subscribers to support it, they'll move it to television proper. Um, cause it'd be stupid not to that said, as it's the only way currently to watch the show, my suggestion is, uh, pay for a month, watch the first few episodes. And if you like it, but are strapped for cash, then just wait until the whole thing's out and then pay for another month and binge it. Um, well, I'll tell you what, I mean, and I'm not going to, I'm not selling you an all access subscription, but they are offering for their, their limited commercial package. They're offering you a week for free right now. So if you signed up right now. You could check out three episodes. You could of, check out three episodes of it and get and the, then decide and get if the you fourth. Want yeah. So I don't so, know. For me, I'd be purely paying for Star Trek, which um, is a is a hard sell. I, um, I did but sign up so for far. The, this may actually like I think this could be actually their flagship series for this, and it may actually produce subscribers in the same way that I think Stranger Things or something like that does for Netflix or uh, what what have you. I actually signed up for the for the trial specifically so I could watch the after show as well. Um, and I was looking through their their catalog of of other shows. They have all of Cheers on it, I believe, and all of Frasier. Oh, cool! Those were CBS properties. Um, were they? I thought they were NBC. I'm almost positive they were NBC. Well, they're definitely on CBS All Access. Weird. Uh, and one thing I'm disappointed though is one of my favorite CBS shows of all time was CSI, and they literally only have like the last 40 episodes of CSI. So it's not even like the good episodes with Chris. See, that's another like big big. Uh, um, gap like if you're going to do a, something like that the very least that they should have is like all of their back catalog well when i first got the wwe network i was pissed off because they only had like the first like 15 episodes of monday night raw yeah. and then like didn't have much of the back catalog at all and they slowly built that up over time so maybe they're just you know based on viewership and subscriber numbers and stuff like that they're just slowly adding things to the network and that eventually it'll be you know, flush and, and full of good stuff. You know, stuff, that's but. one thing for WWE though, because I think that it, 10 bucks a month just for the pay-per-views alone is enough to sell a lot of fans. With CBS, I'm not so sure. Like with CBS, I think that they've kind of got to make the service everything can be out of the, out of the gate. Um, so that's, it's disappointing that there are gaps like that. Well, that's, that's kind of the thing for me is I'm just like the WWE network was, was a first, right? Yeah. It had never been done before uh, to offer the kind of things that they were offering. This is definitely not the first paid TV service we've ever had. No. So. No. See, that that's the thing, too. Like, we're in a much more competitive climate. And honestly, at this point, they got to fight for the subscribers a little bit more than they would have if you were, say, Netflix in 2012, you know? Yeah. Um, I know my wife will get a kick out of this just because of the fact that, like, we won't have to take up DVR space for, like, things like the Big Bang Theory and whatnot. That's a yeah. show that she really likes. And it's a CBS property. Um, but I also don't know how long I'll keep it after star Wars or star trek is over it's the second time i've done that it's, i think it's because it's I'm actually the third. All day. it's fine is it the third yeah. have i said star wars more than that a little bit 
God damn it. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry, guys. I've been drinking a lot today. So Yeah. We're going to take a b- brief break, and then we'll be back. We'll close out with some wrestling news. Let's uh, talk some wrestling. Um, we had a pay-per-view this last, uh, as we record, this is probably this is a week week ago. Week ago. Yeah. Is it a week? Yeah. Yeah. No Mercy. Yeah, because I watched it last Monday, I think, or Tuesday, something like that. Uh, so No Mercy, the, the, the No Mercy pay-per-view was last week on Sunday. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't get together, with, together on this one, um, but we did both watch the pay-per-view. I think mostly this pay-per-view was pretty good overall, solid pay-per-view. If I were to score it, I would honestly probably give this one either an a minus or a b plus like that's that's how entertaining it was for me yeah anyway. i think that's pretty fair there were a couple of spots in there that i did not like um but generally speaking i think overall it was a good pay-per-view so yeah um so let's talk okay i did not watch the kickoff show nor did i didn't see elias versus apollo cruz nope um where elias defeated apollo cruz via pinfall um yep uh, the show opened with an IC title match, Intercontinental uh, Championship. It was The Miz versus Jason Jordan. Um, this was a fun one. Uh, Eddie did not know who Jason Jordan was. Yeah, I skimmed this match, honestly. It was not a bad match. I just didn't care enough about it that I just wanted to watch the whole thing. So um, I thought it was pretty fun, just in that uh, The Miz, even though he has a clear advantage with experience and whatnot, almost got out-wrestled a couple times during this. Yeah, I think so, too. I think Jason Jordan actually was really good, given the fact that I don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Um, for those of you who are following along at home who don't know who Jason Jordan is, um, he was part of a tag team called American Alpha in NXT. They got moved to SmackDown uh, when they got promoted to the main roster. That didn't really go much of anywhere, so then the logical choice was to move Jason Jordan to Raw and put him in a storyline where he is the illegitimate son of Kurt Angle. Yeah. Uh, which uh, honestly is kind of a big push uh, because and that's actually what sort of made me interested in it at all is because if they're going to put him with something like that and change, you know, Kurt Angle's storyline uh, this late in the game, I think that's kind of a solid push for that. So, yeah, um, this is OK. Next match. Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt. This was an odd situation for me. Finn Balor normally at pay-per-views comes out in full makeup as the Demon King. Yeah, all I remember about this match was his trunks fucking sucked. I think that's probably what they were going for with that, because they're like, well, he's not the Demon King. Let's do something else that sets him apart. And since he only wears trunks, they're like, well, let's make them ugly. Ugly as shit. It honestly looked like he was wearing like a pair of tidy whities out there. Uh, I did not like them. This match was fun, though, in that um, Bray Wyatt had a clear advantage because he took liberties on, on uh, Finn Balor before the match ever even started. Mm-hmm. Um, Finn had to fight. Uh, from behind to come back and beat Bray Wyatt at his second straight pay-per-view. So Bray Wyatt has now lost twice yeah. to Finn Balor. Um, good good push for Finn. Not sure what it means for Bray, although I'm kind of tired of the whole Bray Wyatt, I'm a god gimmick. Yeah, like if I look at you upside down, all of a sudden that's creepier. Interesting. Yeah, I'm done Whatever. with it. I'm Don't done care. with I'm Don't done care. with Bray's gimmick at this point. When he was part of the Wyatt family and it was kind of this cult thing, that was one thing, but now he is on his own and we're still supposed to believe that he's some kind of all powerful figure and you know, I'm I don't care. Lying. I think that his gimmick isn't necessarily the problem. I think that some of the spots they choose for him are stupid as shit, and they need to change it. You're not wrong. Um, they're trying to make him the next Undertaker, and that's a bad move because Undertaker what made Undertaker special was even after the advent of social media, the Undertaker 
respected his gimmick to the point where he did not show up on social media. Like, you didn't see The Undertaker. No, Taker was just Taker. Tweeting his friends about this, that, or the other thing and having fun and, you know, whatever. Um, he wasn't part of a reality show where he was playing video games with his, you know, backstage friends and whatnot. The Undertaker was The Undertaker. Like, you didn't know if The Undertaker liked anybody else in the roster. And for that matter, you didn't care because when he was there, it was special and that was all that needed to be done. Yeah. So, um, Tag Team Championship match. This one I know Eddie's going to have some things to say about. <laughs> this is a good match. This was Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, the current champions, versus Sheamus and Cesaro. Yeah, so there's a lot of reasons, actually. Um, okay, so Sheamus and Cesaro, uh, or rather, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins went over on this match. Um, they did, yes. But god damn, man, this is a brutal match. Uh, you, you may have already uh, heard about this. You probably already heard about this, even if you didn't watch the pay-per-view. But It was a physical match, to be sure. It was, and Cesaro took a big fucking bump uh, somewhere around the middle of the match. Um, he 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 was he colli- he collided into a turnbuckle, and uh, he sold it a little too hard. Uh, namely, Apparently by teeth first. Yeah, he he hit his teeth on the turnbuckle, uh, the post actually, I should say, and uh, drove his teeth actually up into his gums, into his. Uh, 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 you know, bone structure. Um, so it, if you were watching the match, he was bleeding profusely and it looked like he lost some teeth. He didn't lose them. They just got shoved inches up into his, or an inch or something like that, up into his fucking uh, bone, uh, bones. So, yeah. Brutal fucking Required bone. surgery. Yeah. To, to get them out of there and, and fix them and whatnot. So, um, kudos to Cesaro for sticking it out. No, that's what I, and that's my main angle on this match. Like, First off, everybody wrestled really well. Uh, like, I really like uh, Sheamus and Cesaro as a tag. I think both of them at this point are becoming guys that they could separate and put on the main roster, and they would be very compelling people, very compelling uh, wrestlers for sure. Um, but, you know, Cesaro, man, the balls on this guy. Like, after he took this massive bump, which, uh, you know, should have had him sidelined for the rest of the match, he wrestled the rest of the match, and it was really, really good. So, um Interesting side note on Cesaro, there was an interview with Jack Swagger, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with Jack Swagger at all, but he's a former WWE talent, uh, former NCAA champion. I know who you're talking about. Um, He was talking about, you know, somebody kind of asked him what what his thought was on the current product, and he said if he was booking the territory, aka writing the shows, that Cesaro would be the champion because he is pound for pound the strongest person on the roster and probably the most talented as well, so... Lots of lots of fire underneath Cesaro right now. I don't know if he's the strongest, but he is very fucking talented. Like, That's because you didn't watch him in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal from two and a half years ago when he deadlifted the big show out of the ring. Jesus, really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. He's, he's fucking, he's a physical specimen. The dude is absolutely a beast. Okay. Like I put him up with up there with John Cena when it comes to actual physical strength. See, that, that when I when I thought about that originally, that was the first thing that I came to and it's probably something we're going to talk about um when we get to the end oh, of this for pay-per-view. Sure. Uh well, it is yeah, definitely something we're going to talk about as we progress on this pay-per-view. But um anyway, th- this was a brutal match. Uh, you know, these guys are actually all really talented guys. The tag uh tag division for all four of them is an interesting way to go. Um because they're really all main roster uh, singles competitors. Like, they, they could all be uh, fighting for the, the, you know the main belt. You know what's funny, though, is they're all guys that went out on their own as singles competitors and kind of lost their direction. Yeah. They, and and I, I think this I, I is the best w- of, of, of anything that could have happened to these guys. Because they could have easily been buried underneath an avalanche of Brock Lesnar and, and Braun Strowman. But I kind of blame the WWE because there's a lot of talent on that roster and they clearly don't know what to do with it. 
Yeah, well, Cesaro did have a singles push for a while, and for whatever reason, um, people were talking about how he had a lack of charisma and this, that, and the other thing, and just he couldn't he couldn't get a a a, a push from the fans to save his life, and it was it was crazy. And now all of a sudden, you put him in this in this scenario with. Sheamus, which I was against when they first put them together with Sheamus, and it was just this gimmicky, like, oh, they're they're tag team, but they don't like each other. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't know. I think I wasn't in favor of it, but now, like as the bar, I think they're an amazing tag team. Yeah, I do think this is gonna. They're probably one of the best tags they've got right now. Uh, WWE has, and I think that they're. It, it's certainly over with the fans too. So I think that they, if they went singles with them at any time, uh, wouldn't be a bad move. Couldn't couldn't have come at a better time either because, and we might as well talk about this now, um, and then we can just finish out the 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 pay per view um, and call it a day. But like with Jeff Hardy having a, a torn rotator cuff. Um, it's it's super important that Raw has a couple of tag teams that can actually go out there and and yeah handle their business uh so to speak. So um anyway, our our thoughts are obviously with Jeff and hopefully his his surgery goes off without a hitch and he's back soon. Um I know the same thing happened to Shelton Benjamin a year and a half ago when it was first announced that he was coming back to WWE and then he didn't come yeah. back for a long time. So hopefully it goes smoother than that. Um, I'd like, especially yeah. because like the Hardys are just kind of getting started in their second run of WWE. Um, but that was another. I, I meant to put this in the show notes. I think, I think it's Jeff's third run, but yeah, yeah. I think we maybe briefly talked about this before on a on a previous episode. But like they got to do something with the Hardys now. Like they've got this. Like they gave them a big push when they came out at WrestleMania, especially. Uh, and then that's kind of fizzled out. Uh, so I, I want them to do something big with the Hardys and give them a real run. This might be a good um, opportunity for Matt to really break out and and do something. I know yeah. that there's still a. A possible embargo on the broken gimmick, but he's been teasing that more and more yeah. as as time goes by. So we'll see what happens there. Um, next fatal up, five way, fatal five way women's match. This was a match that I was dreading um, because it's been my it, the fact that women's matches for some reason, and this has been more so with the SmackDown brand than it has with the Raw. So I was really actually kind of surprised with this, but. I hate matches where you have to put all of your top diva contenders or women's compen- I, I shouldn't use the term diva anymore. That's not even the preferred nomenclature at all. But um, <laughs> yeah, dude, you you put all of all of the top women's competitors in a single match just to get them on the pay per view, and those matches are usually shit. And I was expecting the same thing uh, for this match. This match was so much fun. I yeah, I really like this match. Um... I'm having trouble remembering details. Nia Jax. Nia Jax was obviously the dominant force um, until uh, they had to work together to neutralize her, and then it was she, it turned into more did, of a fatal four-way. When they did neutralize her, though, she took a pretty big bump. Like, she, she did. Landed, I was actually worried she was going to get hurt. Yeah, straight on her head, practically. Um, yeah. They they power bombed her basically off of the uh, off the ring apron onto the onto the mats below. Yeah, so she landed though that that's a that's a movie you should be landing on your upper back and she, she landed bounced more on her neck. Yeah, yeah, so that that was when I saw that I was like, oh man, damn, I hope she's okay, sort of thing, you know. Um, so obviously Jax was um was a big force until they they neutralized her there. Um, Sasha Banks and Alexa Bliss kind of went at it. Yeah, uh, actually, no. It was it was it was Sasha Banks and Bailey kind of had a. That was interesting too. Like, um, I I, I wonder what this is going to do, or if it does anything. I wonder if they're going to come out and be like, well, you know, it's a match. We got to do what we got to do. They need to turn Sasha heel sooner rather than later because she's losing momentum as a babyface anyway. Especially because yeah. Bailey can't. I don't want to say can't. Bailey 
is not the prime candidate for one of those two to turn heel. And so if no, they're going to make anything close. out of it, it's got to be Sasha. And in, in fact, as far as things that don't make any sense to me, turning uh, turning uh, uh, Bailey heel is one of them. No, because she's absolutely adorable. Yeah, she's built her entire her entire character basically as being an adorable face. So yeah, yeah, I don't think that's a good way to it, go. It would be nice to think that she could evolve beyond that and someday be like a terrific heel. But right now, that's probably not what's best for business. So to no. Speak. So um, that was an interesting little interaction between those two. Um, Sasha was kind of out of it though, from about the midway point of the match on, like she wasn't really that much of a, of a player. No. Um, Nia Jax came back into it a little bit. Um, Alexa Bliss was there. Bailey was there. Alexa Bliss ended up scoring the pinfall, um, over Bailey. Oh, and let's not forget Emma because nobody cares that Emma was even in the match, but nope. Um, but she was for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that is another just like how they do women's booking is like they they've got to go. Like I, I think this if, is kind of true that's of the the only thing though. It, like if the biggest thing I have to complain about is the fact that Emma was in the match, I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, but I just mean that's that's an interesting thing about women's booking because I think with the women's booking, uh, typically the women's match is a a four way you know match or greater. So. Not as like I said, not as much on Raw. On the SmackDown mm-hmm. brand, though, that's been definitely a thing, and it's it it it, it has always bothered me. Yeah. All right, meat and potatoes. The first quote unquote big match of the night: uh, Reigns versus Cena. Man, uh, so uh, this is oh man. <laughs> uh, so there were some good spots in this match, but this is a this is a very fucking frustrating match to watch, especially as a God. fan. Like, um, knowing the, the kayfabe and, you know, non-kayfabe parts of things. Like, So, this is what's frustrated me. Cena has had the reputation of being the guy with the shovel, the golden shovel, who buries people. Yeah. Right? He's buried people his entire career. Uh, you couldn't have buried Cena more while trying to put Ro- Roman Reigns over if, if you had legitimately tried to do that during this match. He came out and absolutely annihilated Roman Reigns week after week on the mic. Yep. Uh, he's, he's big money when it comes to matches. We've seen him win big money matches. Um, that's how Cena rolls. And then you put him in this match and you book him to lose and to lose in the same manner that he did. Roman kicked out of four fucking AAs during that match. Dude, that's what's most frustrating. I think, um, so as I was getting back into the product, I was like, well, why doesn't anybody like Roman Reigns? And it's because that basically the WWE just won't stop shoving you down their throats. Like Roman elicits booze. Like he just gets booze like crazy when he comes out, which is stupid because he's a face. Like he shouldn't be getting booze. He shouldn't be getting the reaction that he's getting. People just legitimately, I think, do not like Roman uh, because they don't know how to deal with him correctly. I, I think the kid has a lot of potential. My problem with it is so, okay. Here's the thing. I'm not going to put it entirely on Roman because it does get to a point where much no, like this, John Cena. I'm going to blame the WWE more. Much, much like John Cena, there is a point in time where the audience starts booing just because it seems like the cool thing to do. And I think that's kind of what happened to, to Roman a little bit. Yeah, it was but, kind of funny because in this match, the crowd almost couldn't decide who they wanted to boo more. Here's, here's the thing. Two, it's a face match. Like Not only did he kick out of four AAs. But he literally kicked out of an AA that was delivered from the second rope. Okay. A super AA, if you will. Kicks out of that. Breaks out of the um, STF submission hold. Toward the end of the match, Cena AAs him. 
doesn't even let go of him, picks him up, deadlifts him, does another AA, kick out. Yeah. Like, oh, two weeks ago, Cena's talking about how he's in, he's faster and stronger than he's ever been before. He's in the prime of his career. He's in the best shape he's ever been in. So you're telling me that a John Cena, in the best shape that he's ever been in, can't beat Roman Reigns with four AAs? Yeah, see, that's, that, that's the problem I have with this. See, that's the problem with me, like, with Roman, is that they don't, like, it's not one thing to have him win. It's the way that they win, they have him win. So kicking out of four AAs, kicking out of all these gigantic, you know, the 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 super AA, if you will, the double, the back-to-back out of, back AA. If you're going to kick out of more than one AA, it's not a finishing move anymore. Right. And, and so that's the, that's the one thing. It makes the other guy look weak. It doesn't even matter what the other, who the other guy is. It doesn't matter that it's Cena. It doesn't matter that it was the AA. It makes the other guy look weak. The finishers are supposed to be finishers. So to have him do it four fucking times is like ridiculous. We're past the point of uh, um, adding insult to injury. Uh, you know, if he kicked out of one, fine. Uh, kicking out a two is now we're kind of getting questionable territory. By the time we get to four, it's like, I, I don't even know what you're doing. Like that, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, from a booking standpoint, it doesn't make any sense if John Cena is going to be around to do any, anything later on because you've essentially neutered him. You have. And the second thing you've done is like, now you make Roman look impossible. Like Roman, um, looks like somebody that just cannot be beaten, which adds no drama to the thing. So if you know Roman's going to win every time, if he can kick out of four AAs, there's just not a match that he can go into at this point where he, there's any sort of credibility and any, any, any drama in what, the match. What bothers me is that a year and a half ago, two years ago maybe at SummerSlam, versus Brock Lesnar, there's no way they would have booked Bra- Brock Lesnar to, to kick out of four AAs. Yeah, no. So and and that's and that's Brock and Brock is the only wrestler I think that they do this more with because pretty much everything you see Brock in is a squash match when he actually lost something to Goldberg like that was the first time that I'd seen any sort of weakness whatsoever and um, of course th- they they flip that around really quick so yeah and we're gonna talk about that too here uh, pretty quick um, my yeah this match the first half of it I was there and then it jumped the shark real quick. Oh, and then the final, like, you, you try talk about, like, they went back, they did a couple of laps around to, so they could jump the shark more when they have uh, fucking Cena raise Roman's hand. Jesus. I swear to Christ. Like, I, I just, they, I don't. They could show Roman Reigns eating a steak and, and the T-Bone would walk up and raise his hand just to, just to try and put him over a little bit. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's so fucking dumb. Um, that that is probably one of the most contrived, just idiotic things that I, I think I've seen in the product since I've been back. The the fact of the matter is they had they had some good things going here, and they they totally fucking blew it. Um, yeah, they they could have made this a good match. Like the way that they decided to go with this match is just beyond ridiculous. They could have made it a good match, and Cena could have even lost. Like the ultimate, you know, was that Cena lost? I think that's that was a foregone conclusion because everybody knows at this point that Cena's going away for a little bit. Um, because he's got to be in the Bumblebee movie. Yeah. So, uh, which, by the way, if you have the opportunity to watch Transformers the last night, don't. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, having Cena, you know, lose the match and, and be gone for a while, whatever. Um, the way that they did it, though, is just, man, I just, I can't imagine. I don't see how Cena ever uses the AA again. I, I don't. Like, if he comes back, he's kind of almost got to have a different finisher because it, it's, it, you know, it's like lost its luster. If you can have a guy kick out of it four fucking times, like, 
I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch all the, you know, different precedents. But can you ever imagine somebody kicking out of four different rock bottoms or four different uh, stunners or four different, you know, um, super kicks or something like that? Twice, maybe. Yeah. But the third time finishes it. Yeah, for sure. Like, I've seen somebody kick out of a stunner before, and that was like, holy shit, I can't believe that happened. Uh, Like, what made made some of those matches special was, like, Stone Cold versus The Rock, for example. It's like, they would try their own finishing move, and then, then, like, the opponent would kick out, and then they'd try their opponent's finishing move on them. You know what I mean? Like, they they did, like, a little bit of back and forth, and it made it more fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, Because nobody can deliver the the rock bottom like The Rock can, and nobody can deliver a stunner like Stone Cold can. So it's, you know, although Cena has a pretty pretty fun stunner because he does a stunner off the second rope nice so that's fun to watch maybe it's off the bottom rope it's a springboard stunner i know that's what i know um and it's kind of fun but anyway that match was hot garbage (laughs) yeah for sure let's uh only because it was it was contrived i mean wrestling is contrived but like make me suspend my disbelief don't make me regret my decision for just for giving you you know fucking 15 minutes of my life to watch something stop just stop with roman like yeah you you can put him over but let him get over on his own like that part is not over at all there was some cheers mixed in with the booze oh interesting that was very interesting to me i wouldn't i wouldn't have seen that coming um it was i mean they had they and they had him try and win the crowd over because he was on he was the guest on Miz tv like at the open of the show and of course they boo him and they're booing and the Miz comes out and they're booing and he's like telling the audience to shut up and the Roman's like, no, 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 no. We like it loud around here. And then they booed more. But like, <laughs> I don't know. He, it, he, they've got to do something fundamental with his character to get him over because he's just not going to get over like he is right not, now. He's and not, he's they, not they, a good talker. They and just even don't. Himself, like, I don't think people buy him now, even when he is being himself and saying y'all and you know, whatever a bunch of times, like, I don't think anybody cares anymore. They just he's not going to get over as it stands right now. And, and so if they don't do something different with him, like we're just going to be stuck, uh, sucking down this bullshit. If and they'd have turned him heel six to eight months ago. Fine. But right now, if they turn him heel, it's like, now it's just going to look like they're desperate. And it's because they are, and they, they, you know, and it wouldn't be the worst move at this point. So they, no. they, they've got to do, you know, whether it's heel or something, they got to do something with him because, um, the way that they're pushing him right now is just stupid. and Nobody likes it. So, yeah. All right, next match. Uh, next match. Uh, CBS Sports rated this match a grade C. I couldn't disagree more. This was the Cruiserweight Championship match, Enzo Amore versus Neville. This match was so much fun to me. Yeah, this is a good match, actually. I really liked it. I I couldn't believe it. Um, so following the fallout between Enzo and Big Cass, Big Cass is now injured and can't do anything because he tore his ACL. Um I don't know if this move was going to happen as quickly as the as it had to because of the ACL injury for Big Cass, um, or what the story was there. But Enzo is now a member of Two Hundred Five Live, which is the cruiserweight division. Uh, this match was cruiserweight championship match versus Neville. So two things for this match that stand out for me in particular. Number one, they no longer change the ring ropes yeah. and the mat for the cruiserweights. The belt's still purple. There's still some purple lighting effects, but the ropes stay the same. The mat stays the same. Um, they've stopped wasting a lot of time and effort for something that doesn't really ultimately matter. Hooray for them. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, too bad they spent so much time doing it, they can no longer afford pyro for any of their events. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> I guess over the last couple of weeks be- leading up to this on 205 Live, um, Enzo has been uh, winning in less than honest manner. Um, he did actually at one point use the phrase, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. I was not 
impressed by that line of dialogue because that is an Eddie Guerrero line of dialogue and it should not be used by anybody that's not a Guerrero at this point. Um, that was when Eddie Guerrero was teaming up with Chavo and they were a tag team. Uh, I do, however, like the fact that he did cheat to win and the somewhat Eddie Guerrero-esque gimmick that they're giving him, I'm okay with as long as they don't just blatantly rip off Eddie Guerrero dialogue to do it. Yeah, I think this isn't a bad direction to go with Enzo. Like, he's got a mouth anyway, so... I think it's the only direction to go with Enzo, because he's not that talented otherwise. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's <laughs> I mean, fair, yeah. I mean, I can't wrestle either. I'm not gonna... Don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not talking shit, uh, but he is completely outclassed in a lot of that division because they are superior when it comes to technical uh, ability, uh, high-flying, all of that kind of stuff. Ne- um, Neville is... He like he's at the top of division the division and that actually makes sense because he is really fucking good. Enzo can take a bump. Yep. That's what Enzo can do at this point. So um I I loved it. He he had the belt. Um obviously um carried it into the ring, acted like he was gonna use it. The ref took it from him and while the ref was distracted, just gave Neville a shot to the pills, and that was it. Yep. Uh it couldn't have been more satisfying for me because I'm like, wow. They actually just had somebody take a, a, a just use a low blow as a as a cheap way out. They haven't done stuff like that in so long. Yeah, that's what a heel is to me. And and while they're not necessarily posing Enzo as a heel because Neville was definitely the heel, uh, Neville got out healed. Yeah, and out cheated that match. And I I thought it was pretty brilliant. So that's my take on that. Yep. All Are right. We final match. Last match of the night. Uh, Lesnar versus Strowman. Uh, CBS gave this a C plus. I give it a B B plus because I didn't like the finish, but I did like the fact that uh, Strowman literally handed Lesnar his ass in the first half of this match. Well, I like anything to do with Lesnar that makes him um, not look, a monster. Yeah, look vulnerable at all because again, it's not interesting to me when you have him come out and just automatically squash a guy like and giving that that match top billing is just you know kind of a waste of time like don't you know the, making your top match you know completely drama less is is i think another mistake that the wwe is is fans of doing right now like a lot of the matches that we have uh, um leading or headlining pay-per-views are these sorts of matches where you got brock lesnar versus anybody else and it ends up being like a four second squash fest which there's just no point and, and still it is still a little bit that way because lesnar won this match lesnar I, won the I, last I did match like the he, four-way match uh at SummerSlam, even though lesnar won it but he was definitely not in it for a lot of the time and so yeah. i kind of appreciated how they how they worked that but you're right though like a lot of the a lot of these matches are just meant to build him up as this giant monster that can't be beaten and that's very obviously not the case anymore Strowman came out literally tossed lesnar around uh, yeah. for a while um the spot that I really liked in this match, though, was Lesnar's use of the Kimura lock. Yep. Um, because he hadn't used that in probably about a year. Because that's about how long you've been back with the product, or at least... I haven't know, seen it before. ...tangentially with the product. Um, which told a good story, because uh, it caught Braun completely by surprise, and Braun didn't know what to do at first. Yeah. Um, he kind of had Brock solved otherwise. And so the Kimura lock weakened, uh, weakened Strowman enough that... Brock was able to get the upper hand, give him the F5, get the win. Um, I know Eddie's complaint and a lot of a lot of complaints that I heard about this was that that end was super abrupt. It was a single F5, boom, done, one, two, three. Yeah. Uh, we're going home. Um, 
the thing about the match though, or about the the pay per view in general, is that it was three hours, uh, and and like thirty five seconds long or something like that. It was it was it was over three hours. They clearly um, got the go home cue. I think they had a hard out at eleven p.m. Eastern uh, for yeah. that one, and so like it was. I I think this match could have been a little bit more. Uh, uh, entertaining if they'd have had about an extra five minutes to go, and I don't normally say that about a Brock Lesnar match because usually once the ten minute mark hits, I'm done. Yeah, this was a fifteen plus minute like how match. How many suplexes and, can and, you watch? And it was it was good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, other than the abrupt finish, so that's why I gave it a B rather than an A or anything like that. But I, it's definitely better than the C plus. I don't I don't know why the C plus thing came in because Strowman looked absolutely devastating. Yeah, see, that's the, the thing. I think that, if anything, uh, this made Strowman look, except for the finish, it made Strowman look strong, uh, which, you know, they've been building Strowman for quite a while now, and I think that this is finally, like, it was interesting to me, because I was like, are they building Strowman enough that they're going to have him beat Lesnar? Uh, obviously not, uh, but I do think that that's a rematch we could see in the future then that may have a different outcome, and I think that's what I want to see. Like, if you're going to build a guy like they have been Strowman for the last six or eight months, uh, um, do something with it. Um, don't just keep having uh, Lesnar come out and win every single fucking match. So yeah, my understanding is that uh, Lesnar has filed reinstatement papers with the UFC. Interesting. Uh, so I don't know how much longer we're gonna have him. Uh, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why they're building Strowman because Strowman, for could all intents and purposes, big could crusher. be yeah. like the next guy. Um, I don't necessarily look forward to Strowman versus Reigns. It's gonna happen. But no, at some point. But I, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Roman wins. We'll kick out of everything fourteen times. The other thing too is, did you see uh, during the Cena Reigns match the first time uh, Cena tried to deliver the uh, five knuckle shuffle Hmm. uh, when when Reigns blocked it when he was standing over doing the you can't see me before? Yeah, Roman's mouth was moving. He was calling a spot. Yeah, right there. Mm -hmm. Like it was plain as day. Yeah, like (laughs) I was just like, guys. Come on. <laughs> there were there were a couple of different, actually. Uh, uh, I can't remember what the other part was, but I saw Cena call a spot in that match, too. Which Cena is kinda... notorious for that, though. Like, if you, uh, if you watch Cena's matches for any length of time, like, you can definitely see when he's calling spots. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's not always good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, uh, that's the wrap-up for No Mercy. We are uh, going to be in the house for Hell in a Cell, most likely. Yep. Uh, which is next week. Um, we might do some live tweeting. I don't know. I've kind of enjoyed not having to live tweet because God damn it. That's kind of a lot of work. Yeah. Whatever. I don't think, I don't think anybody's missing it too hard. So no, I don't, I don't, we haven't gotten any complaints that, that we haven't done that. Yeah. If Um, you do want to complain though, if you do want to complain, uh, facebook.com slash whatever show or at whatever show on Twitter. Uh, speaking of at whatever show on Twitter, we got a poll going right now. It's up for four days and some odd hours from now. By the time this gets posted, it might only be a couple of days, but you do have a, a, a voice, uh, with us. We are planning on doing a spinoff show. Um, currently you can go to Twitter and vote for us to either cover Star Trek the next generation, Stargate SG one, or Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, I'm excited about really any of the prospects. So, um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer has received zero votes. Mm. Or no, not Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Stargate has received zero votes. That's a bummer. Buffy has received a couple of votes, but the overall uh, majority of you apparently want to hear us talk about Star Trek The Next Generation, which is amazing because there's like a hundred 
TNG podcasts <laughs> that are out there right now. But like we haven't had enough of that. Do another one. Yeah. But if that's what you guys want us to do, that's what we'll do. Um, the only way you can actually let us know though is, um, on Twitter, uh, at whatever we show. Cool. Uh, well, I guess you could send us an email if you want questions at whatever.co. Oh, we did get a write in vote on Facebook for us to cover the greatest American hero. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep that in mind. Yeah. It's on the back burner, guys. All right. We will see you next week. <laughs> Later.